0: This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.
1: Good morning and welcome to episode number 78 of GoToGrama, airing on February 4th, 2023. I'm your host, Kathy Buckworth, and we record this show in the heart of Liberty Village at the Zoomerplex in downtown Toronto. If you've never been down here, I recommend a visit. It's chock full of great restaurants, pubs, little stores, and about a million condos. While most of those condos I think are populated by Gen Zs and millennials, a good part of the condo market is also taken up by those of us who are looking to unload the family home and move into something more reasonably sized. My husband and I recently became empty nesters, which was delayed by a few years due to the pandemic. And now the house does seem pretty big for just us, too, after having raised four kids in it. But are we ready to downsize? Just the thought of going through all the crap we have here after 23 years in the same house is a little daunting. My parents just went through it when they moved from their family home to a retirement village. They had some help, and I think we could all use that help. Karen Shin from The Downsizing Diva is here to tell us how to break it down and make it manageable as we sift through what we want to keep, donate, or make it an early inheritance of. You can also sell some of it, now much easier thanks to online marketplaces. You'll want to hear Karen's tips for where to start. Sometimes when the kids move out, they move far away. Two of my kids live within an hour of me, but the other two live in Western Canada, one in Calgary and one near Kelowna. Luckily, one of the kids who lives closest to me is the keeper of my grandkids. I generally get to drive out to see them once a week, and we FaceTime a few times a week as well. Which is not the same, but pretty good. Not everyone is fortunate to have their grandkids physically nearby. Dr. Carrie Byrne of the website, The Long Distance Grandparent, is back on the show to tell us why we should never give up trying to have a good, loving relationship with our grandkids, no matter how far away they live. The grandparent-grandchild relationship is one you should fight to keep and rely upon. She'll tell us how to do that and why it's so important to both of you. And our Take 5 with RBC interview this week puts a spotlight on the Black Entrepreneur Loan Program as we enter Black History Month. Listen in to how RBC is dedicating programs to the success of black entrepreneurs across the country. I don't have to look far in my house to find coffee, and my coffee maker is one of the things that will follow me no matter where I live or how far I have to travel for it. I hope you'll stay put for the next half hour as we get into the fun and facts, as usual, on Go to Grandma. I'm Kathy Buckworth, and our downsizing diva is up first. As a co-founder of Downsizing Diva, Karen Shin has been helping older adults downsize, move, and clear estates for over 20 years. Together with business partner Gail Shields, they work with care, compassion, communication, and sometimes comedy to reduce the stress of later life transitions for older adults and their families. Karen is a certified senior move manager and a professional consultant on aging. Good morning, Karen. Thanks so much for coming on Grandma this morning. I am very interested in this topic. Tell me about, first of all, tell me about Downsizing Diva. How did that start?
0: Well, it's funny, Kathy, we started about 2001, so we've been doing this for over 22 years. Crazy. And uh, we thought there were a lot of people who might need help with getting organized and downsizing, and we just realized that everybody just simply had too much stuff. So we thought we could help in that case and reduce stuff just to what you really want, use
1: and need. It's amazing because I've been in the same house for 23 years. I'm afraid, Karen. I'm afraid after 23 (laughs) years of everything in my house. When is the best time, I guess the best time to downsize or to think about downsizing?
0: Well, when we think about downsizing, we often do it, Kathy, when we're thinking about moving. Mm -hmm. I mean, moving is a great reason to downsize because you simply have to address what's in the house. But we always say to people, the best time to start downsizing is today. It's a process. It's not, if it's something that has to be smooshed into a, a two-week period, it's very, very stressful. But if you can sort of look and in, in the old uh, bring one thing in, Bring a new item in and take it, leave an old item. Donate something. Throw something out. Everybody thinks oh, I've heard that a million times before. But the question is really, do you do it? Because if you do it, then when it comes to deciding to make a move or you you want to reduce the amount of clutter that you have around you, it's much easier because you you you've been doing it. As you go, and um, we all talk about all the rules of organizing a place for everything and everything in its place and store like with like and one thing in, one thing out. But if you pay attention to those things, then you really don't need to do that huge purge before you move. And it makes life so much simpler. But I think a lot of people have looked at the downsizing differently since COVID Mm -hmm. because Quite honestly, we've been stuck in our houses for so <laughs> yeah. long that well, there was nothing else to look at but the things that are surrounding you. <laughs> so, That's a good point, yeah. Yeah, so it's, but it truly is the best time to start is wherever you are right now and start with something easy. We've, we've talked to a lot of different groups. we talked to a group of widows, recent widows, and the hardest thing for them to downsize might be the things that belong to their spouse. Mm-hmm. So don't start with that. Right. Start with the easy stuff. And you know, it's the books and the magazines, maybe, for some people. For some people, it's one thing. For others, it's something quite different. But start with the easy bits. And then move on, and you'll, you you can see progress.
1: So, Karen, I know sort of how this process works because, believe it or not, your company actually moved my parents. So, downsized, divvied my parents as they moved into a retirement village. And one of the things I know that you did, and you can tell us more about that, is provide them with a great series of lists and check you know checkpoints. Work through this, work through that. Tell me a bit about that.
0: Well, I think we all like lists.
1: We all, yes. and,
0: and most of us like to-do lists. And I, personally, I like ones with really small, mm-hmm. little tasks, so I can check them off really fast. Like I, I can break a, t- a task into a million little pieces, so I can see the progress I'm making towards finishing it. But it's really a great idea to start looking and saying. What is it that I want, I use, and I need? And if you keep that little expression in the back of your mind as you're looking through things, it does make it easy when you see things. You pull out, and I always use that expression, you know, everybody's got the junk drawer in their kitchen. You pull that open and you think, what the heck am I saving all of this stuff for? Dump it out on a table or a counter and then start looking and thinking, well, this And don't go falling for the expression, this could come in handy someday, because that's the other expression we hear a
1: lot of people say.
0: Look at it and think, do I want it? Do I use it? Do I need it? And if
1: you don't, then let it go. So when you come to my house and you've got your list and everything, can you also help me with where I could sell, donate and dispose of this surplus stuff?
0: We certainly can. And over the years, as I said, we've been doing this for so long. In the beginning when we started this task, this job, it was easier to find places to sell things particularly and even donate. Of course, during COVID, it was impossible because Mm -hmm. many of the options simply weren't open. But we find now that there are very, very few places that we'll buy things, buy used furniture, and yet it's it's one of the challenges we have as senior as senior move managers and move managers is managing people's expectations. Right. People think, well, I don't want it, but I'll just sell it, and that's probably the most difficult thing for them to get past. A lot of people don't want their used stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, you can donate in a heartbeat. Well, pretty much. But there are some places that simply don't accept donations anymore. Or you have to come at a very, you know, defined time. Mm-hmm. So donating is, is pretty well easy for the most part. But selling items is really getting difficult. And we've seen over the last 5, 10 years, a lot of the stores, the antique shops, the little gift shops that we used to second hand shops consignment that we used to use they've gone out of business There's just they just can't you know afford to just stay in business because people aren't necessarily buying yeah. used
1: furniture or antiques but we can also now go online. We sold my parents' grand piano yes. through Facebook Marketplace, yes. which was awesome. So if we want to find more information on Downsizing Diva, we can certainly go to your website, downsizingdiva.com. You're all over social media, Twitter, at downsizing <laughs> underscore diva, the Downsizing Diva on Instagram and Facebook. And you have a YouTube channel. So this is all amazing information, Karen. And I thank you so much for your time. And I'm going to go home and throw out some stuff of my kids that they left behind when they moved out. I'm going to start with that. Okay. <laughs> Because that's the easy that's stuff. That's the easy it's stuff. Easy for
0: you, not easy for them. You got it. Thanks
1: again, Karen. Good
0: for you, Kathy. Thanks so much for talking to me today. Take care. Take
1: care. Bye-bye. With over 20 years' experience spanning business, academia, and the not-for-profit sector, Carrie believes that strengthening intergenerational connections within families is critical to creating a more caring, connected, and less ageist society. Good morning. Carrie, thanks so much for being back on the program. Good morning, Kathy. So we're going to talk a little bit about why the grandparent relationship is so important. We know this to be true. And you just returned home to Canada after five years of living abroad. So you know what it's like to try to foster that long distance grandparent relationship, hence the long distance grandparent website. But do you ever find maybe you feel like it can be easy to feel like giving up on it because it can be really hard to do from a distance?
2: Yeah, it's hard from a distance and actually it can be hard if they live around the corner from you right. at times given the kind of pace of family life for young kids or activities that teenagers are in. Um, and so I think that it can be, it can be hard to stay motivated when grandparenting turns out to be not quite what you expected, no matter where you are living or they are living. Of course, this can be intensified when they're at a distance, because it really doesn't look like perhaps what you had in your mind. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: You know, maybe because your grandchildren are younger, and you aren't getting much help from the parents to facilitate the connection. Could be because they've hit the teen years, and you can feel them slipping away. And maybe it's just plain harder to engage with them at certain points of their life.
1: Yeah, and you wrote an article recently for Grand Magazine that I just wanted to a little quote here that you said positive relationship with a grandparent have been associated with fewer symptoms of depression, higher reports of well being in older grandchildren, and less ageist views towards older adults and even very young grandchildren. So this has got to be a really encouraging, you know, message to stay connected with our grandkids.
2: Well, and I think that we we often consider that this relationship is a nice to have. Right. And that is fueled by some of these viral videos where you see a grandparent and a grandchild having this lovely moment together. And we think, oh, isn't that sweet? And it is sweet. And I'm, I'm guilty. I'll share them. I'll <laughs> comment on them because I love, I love seeing that connection. We love to see that connection. But what we don't see is that behind um, that relationship is somebody who cared about it, somebody who kept it up. Uh, and somebody who's probably doing, you know, pretty significant amount of work to keep that relationship, you know, going and strong. And so, you know, I've looked at pretty much any research study <laughs> that's been conducted about this relationship uh, definitely in the last 10 to 20 years. And the research is pretty clear. And what you said in um, a recent article that I wrote is that, you know, when they have strong and meaningful relationships with grandparents, they score lower on tests of depression. And higher on tests of well being. And also, another interesting one, especially in thinking about parents and different parenting approaches that we have right now around gentle parenting, trying to really mm-hmm. nurture things like kindness, empathy in our kids. When they have a strong relationship with a grandparent, they score higher on what researchers call pro social behaviors. So things like kindness uh, and generosity. And so it is certainly more than a nice to have and any parents listening or grandparents listening, what the main message is that this relationship matters significantly.
1: So, in your own review of the research on grandparenting, is that the one theme that keeps coming up? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Time and time again, yeah, time and time again, and I'm just kind of adding to
2: my uh, collection because, you know, one of the things that I really hope to be able to do uh, through my business, the Longestids Grandparent, is to really amplify the importance of this relationship. So if we knew there was something that we could do as parents or grandparents to make it less likely that our children are going to be depressed as adults, mm-hmm. then we would do it. And that that one of those things is a nurturing a strong relationship between grandparents and grandchildren. So I feel sometimes like I would like to shout that from the rooftop, (laughs) So I appreciate the opportunity to share this with your audience.
1: I love it. And so how can grandparents stay motivated to nurture a relationship, you know, if they're not getting a lot of support from the parents and you sort of led off with that saying, and particularly when the kids are young, really young. So it does sort of land on the parents to help facilitate that relationship. How do we stay motivated?
2: It does. Well, it's important to reflect on what you can do despite the circumstance of the relationship. And so things like sending snail mail do not require the parents. This can be a one way communication touch point to small children. And again, whether you live around the corner or on a different continent, you can send mail. And you can be pretty assured that whether, you know, wherever you live or wherever they live, that you're going to be the only one sending them mail. You will have this bright, lovely envelope amidst bills and flyers and real estate flyers. and
1: mm-hmm. you know,
2: So you can make their, their, in- their mailbox really a special place to go to. And young children love this kind of mail. I think that it is also really important to keep your expectations in check and consider what your own grandparenting blind spot might be. Mm-hmm. So this can, be, this can look like, are you expecting too much from the family right now? at this point in time. And so they, you know, relationships ebb and flow, and sometimes there's lots of time for connection. Other times, families, especially with younger children or teenage children, might be working through mental health issues right. at play for the parents or the kids. And so families will go inward sometimes to solve these problems before they talk to you about it, because they don't want to worry you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they want to come to you when they have the solution. And this is something, It's you know, it often doesn't have anything to do with you <laughs> it has to be them
1: i think that's a that's a great point and as you say you know we're not really sure what's going on in there and maybe what we do see on the other side of that is all of those great viral grandparenting moments on social media and we're like why isn't it happening to me it's like anything on social media though that we see we see as this perfect moment versus how their lives are really being lived out
2: yeah and this is the big one well it's a, it, it actually leads to another great point which is that you know video chatting so You know sometimes Mm -hmm. people that live locally still do video chatting but this is new that's relatively new like you know gen x children you know millennial parents they probably didn't do this with their grandparents and so the idea that we can play together on a video chat is something that's actually quite new that we are all figuring out and so when you say that you want to have a video chat and play a game uh, with the young children sometimes parents think You know, that's not possible. You won't be able to keep their attention. Uh, But there are just numerous ways that you can have fun and play together from a distance. And it's just something that we all need to kind of get used to and facilitate because we really do need grandparents and grandchildren to have this relationship.
1: So my grandkids live about an hour away. So I visit them about once a week. But we also FaceTime. Multiple times during the week, and now to the point where my one and a half year old grandson yells at the phone, "Answer if they're calling, <laughs> answer, Grandma!" <laughs> before it comes on, which is awesome. And actually, thanks to an earlier chat we had on, on the show, um, an earlier episode, I send postcards to my grandkids now, and they love them. They're very visual, and they come in the mail. So that's been that was a great tip of yours that I picked up before.
2: Yeah, postcards are great because they can just be something really short. Yeah. you've got young grandchildren who are just starting to read. You know, keeping in mind, keep the sentences short. Um, you know, my four-year-old is delighted because he can read "I love you." And yeah. whenever anyone writes that on a card, it's just you know, it's a it's a great moment for him to feel proud. And then of also you know, to get that kind of communication and affection from.
1: It's um, amazing. From, uh, it is. Thank you so much for this again, Carrie. And if we want to see more, of course, we can go to The Long Distance Grandparent on Facebook, Instagram, your website, of course, thelongdistancegrandparent.com. And on Twitter, you are Carrie Byrne. Thanks again for joining the show, Carrie. Thank you for having me, Kathy. Samika Kabir is Director Commercial Financial Services Strategy at Royal Bank. And in her role, she leads the Women in Business, Black Entrepreneurs, and Business Owner Planning Strategies. With more than 10 years' progressive experience in corporate development, operations, and data analytics in technology and banking, Samika is passionate about connecting ideas to people, resources, and technology to solve complex problems. And today, Samika is here to share the history and recent updates on RBC's program for Black entrepreneurs. Good morning, Samika. Thanks so much for coming on our Take 5 with RBC interview on this week's Go To Grandma. We are just starting Black History Month in Canada, so this is a good time for you to be here. And I was hoping you could give me a little bit of the history behind the RBC program for black entrepreneurs.
3: Absolutely. First of all, thank you, Kathy, for having me on the program. So the Black Entrepreneur Program is our multifaceted approach so that RBC can address the systemic inequalities and racism that impact Black entrepreneurs. And it's focused on creating opportunities for inclusive and equitable financing for the Black community. So, you know, we know the events of summer of 2020, um, and that was our call to action, call to action. You know, we knew we had to speak up and act, and as a financial institute, one of the ways that RBC could actively work on removing the systemic invisible barriers that Black entrepreneurs face today was to look at how we can deal with the lack of access to capital and expert networks, and how can we find ways to celebrate and support Black-owned businesses. And so with that in mind, we got to work to build this program. Uh, We talked to the community, we talk to our colleagues, we talk to our clients across Canada to listen and understand the challenges that Black entrepreneurs often face. And the Black entrepreneur program was the definitive outcome as part of our commitment to serve the community and it focuses on enabling inclusive access to capital, uh, providing access to the network um, of experts and mentors and business planning resources that entrepreneurs need and then finally bringing together the community to um, support and amplify uh, and profile the successes of Black owned businesses and since since its inception, the goal of the program has been simple. How can we provide that solution and support to black entrepreneurs at every stage of their business journey and so for that we have you know over time integrated free tools such as um, RBC small business navigator which gives access to resources and stories of success and resilience financial advice and then also offering ways to connect entrepreneurs to uh, partners such as futurepreneurs a free rock my business workshop series that helps build business plans, et cetera. Um, I think through the program, we know now that you know it's not enough to just create pathways to receiving financial support, but also providing opportunities that allow entrepreneurs um, uh, to develop their capability and skills um, so that they can focus on their business's growth and, and business acumen.
1: These are amazing tools and resources, as you mentioned, from startup to veterans, all through the life. How well has the program been received to date and where can our audience find out a bit more about the program?
3: Oh um, really good Uh, question. Uh, So the program you know RBC was the first to market with a black entrepreneur program and um, you know we started with a black entrepreneur uh, startup program with a partner um, a futurepreneur uh, which committed 40 million dollars in funding over five years. We had another investment of a million dollars in BKR capital to support technology businesses led by black entrepreneurs and we have a specific business loan uh, which provides eligible Black entrepreneurs with loans of up to 250000 And so, you know, we're, since the programs of, uh, launch, we've had uh, thousands of interactions and engagements for advice, learning opportunities, and funding options. And we're really encouraged by the reception that we've received. And so... What we're doing now, um, you know, is we have a, a dedicated website. Uh, it's uh, rbcroyalbank.com slash business slash advice slash black entrepreneur. And, um, you know, it, where you'll find a lot of additional information. And, uh, uh, you know, while we're actually excited and encouraged by the program's uh, reception where we know that we're just getting started. And so I hope that you and your listeners will be a part of this journey uh, to create this uh, a more equitable future for our uh, communities.
1: I love this program I, and I didn't know anything about it. So thank you so much for sharing this with our listeners. And again, we can go to rbcroyalbank.com slash business slash advice slash Black Entrepreneur. Thank you so much for joining us today, Samika. Thank you for having me, Kathy. Grandparents can be very special resources. Just being close to them reassures a child without words about change and continuity, about what went before and what will come after. Fred Rogers. Closeness doesn't have to be physical. Thanks to Carrie Byrne for reminding us of that. And we will all be looking at what went before and what we want to come after as we consider potentially sifting through the things that no longer suit us and where we are headed. Thanks to Karen Shin for helping us to get started. Next week on Go-to Grandma, I have a treat for you or maybe a dream. My dream guest is back. Erin Davis joins us again to tell me all about the sweet grandson sleepovers she has with Colin. And once the grandkids are settled, how do we fall asleep? You'll hear about her podcast, Drift. It might be hard to convince your grandkids to go to bed if they are fully engaged in a video game. But before we judge them too harshly for spending time on games, it's important to understand the good and the bad of gaming and technology in their lives. Product coach Kim Valley is going to tell me about an article she wrote about understanding your gamer child or grandchild and what skills they may be learning through play. You've probably heard the term power of attorney, but do you know what that means or entails? Our Take 5 with RBC interview will give you all the intel on what a POA is and does. Powerful stuff. Thanks for coming by today. I hope you come back next week to get the latest and greatest information on what today's grandparents need to know about. It's why I created this show and continue to love sharing with you. I'm your go-to grandma, Kathy Buckworth. Enjoy your grand journey.
0: Share your thoughts on this show with us. You can find Kathy on Twitter at Kathy Buckworth or email her